Love bombing. Yep. Manipulation. Check. Gaslighting. Uh-huh. Wow. I guess we really weren't the only ones. You got that right. Welcome to The X-Files, a new spinoff of X-Wives Undercover. Now we're sharing your stories of love gone wrong. Sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we cry. But more importantly, we stand stand together. Please be aware that this podcast is for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back. I'm Amber. And I'm Athena. Previously on The X-Files. In the last episode, we learned more about the first few years of Ted and Anna's marriage. And she talked about having good days, bad days, confusing days, and then clarifying days. We began seeing Ted's behavior shift towards Anna and the put-downs begin, as well as more temper flare-ups. And by the end of the episode, Ted was starting to be gone a lot, and they even discussed a possible separation. In this episode, we are also in the last year or so of Anna's relationship with Ted. All right, girl, you ready to do this? Let's do it. Season 5, Episode 7. Another breakup, makeup, and one more breakup. Ted began going out for drinks after work a lot, but was always home by 6. Anna was happy he was doing this, as he always said that he needed friends. He'd go on a gambling weekend with the guys and even sent her pictures. He would also go to their friend's house to watch football Again, she was totally fine with that as he was usually up her ass all the time to the point she couldn't even read a book or play on her iPad if he was home. She had to be doing what he was doing or else. You know how normal couples, like they can, one person can be watching a football game or, and then the other person can go into like the other room and watch, I don't know, Wives with Knives or HGTV or, you know, or, you know, play on their phone or read a book or something like that. And and I, w- I could not do that. Like, he wanted me in the same room that he was in. No matter what he was doing, no matter what I needed to do, no matter what I wanted to do, I had to, he wanted me to be right there with him all the time. He would follow me around the house like a baby, you know what I mean? Like a, like a toddler almost to where... I'm like walking down the hallway trying to do the laundry and walking back trying to put the laundry away. And he's just like right on my heels. He like bird dogged me all the time. And, you know, when he went to bed, he wanted me to go to bed with him, um, even though he, he went to bed a lot earlier, earlier than I did habitually. I did have like a separate existence from him to a degree. You know, I, um, became, I started practicing yoga very regularly during that time frame probably the last year or so that I was with him. And so like, I would, I, you know, he, he said to me a couple of times, he's like, can I go to yoga with you? And I'm like, sure, come on. And I do, uh, my favorite type of yoga is, is hot power flow. And so like, nice. Oh damn. It's no so joke. It was, <laughs> it was bad. Like it was really bad. And it was really, it was gross too, because he had the nastiest feet you've ever seen. And like when he would do that and he started to sweat, it just, he stunk so bad. He smelled like, you know, oh like gosh. funky, nasty, like whiskey and cigars and weed. Swell. Oh, was everyone in the class like, oh, damn. Oh, so bad. <laughs> and I was just 
like, yeah, don't go back. I, I told him, I said, you know, whenever I do like yin or restorative, you can come with me for that, but no more power flow, no more hot yoga for you. <laughs> um, so there were, there were some things that I could do by myself, but there were, it was very, very limited for the most part. He wanted to be doing whatever we were doing. We did it together. Being a therapist, I read a lot about attachment styles and things like that. And I think that, that he had a very insecure attachment style. And I really think it, it's like, you know how babies don't have object permanence until they get to be like nine or 10 months old, out of sight, they, they're scared to death that that person's left or gone. And I think it was part of, partly that. I just think mm -hmm. that he had this super anxious attachment style with me. When we were married, I had like this, I obviously, false sense of security with him because, you know, I was all he had. Of course he's not gonna cheat on me. Of course he's not gonna leave me. I was everything, I was his whole world. And so partly, you know, I kind of bought into it because I it made me feel more secure in our relationship. Mm-hmm. Joke was but, on me. <laughs> well, I remember feeling that same way. I, I mean, I had question marks and red flags all over the place and I was zoning in on every single one of them for ever but i i always told my mom he would never cheat on me he is so doting and he's just all about me and it really like threw me off <laughs> i didn't realize that oh oh no he really is with multiple people but he was so just all about me and our family and spending time together and just lovey-dovey and affectionate and i wasn't picking up on any typical cheating signs which is gonna go into my next question because once he did start kind of all of a sudden having this newfound freedom of like okay I'm gonna go hang out with Dale or watch some football games with friends or whatever um typically typically right when people are cheating or having affairs their behavioral patterns change um just like Ted you know not wanting sex or going out more with friends or work trips and at this point, did that trigger you like, oh, shit, that's not good, like that maybe he could be cheating or you still kind of, mm, he wouldn't do that. So after the that retreat that I went on and things just were so horrible and he was so vicious and bad and nasty to me, it really felt like we never did get back on, on, a, on a, a good footing. And it was just weird. Like our, the energy was weird. The relationship was weird. Communication was weird. It was just weird. I just had a had an aha moment here um, because it just struck me just this second. I, you know, I wonder if he used that incident, that blow up um, to make me think that's why he was not uh, being around me so much. Because I kind of did think that. I thought, well, you know, we've had this huge blow up. We're not communicating very well. Things are kind of going out a little bit um, because I didn't respond appropriately to his texts that time. Mm -hmm. Mid-November, I guess it was, um, I remember I was sitting on our bed and I was talking to him and I just, you know, we were talking about separation. I think I talked about that before and I wasn't willing to separate. I, I was like, you know, if we, if we separate, we're, we're divorcing and he wasn't willing to do that. But I mean, obviously, if we were having that conversation, things were, were weird. The energy was weird. And so I kind of thought that was why he wasn't coming around as much. And I was, 
I wanted, I was actually encouraging him in, in ways to spend time because I wanted him to spend time with his friends because I had been his whole freaking world. And so when he's telling me, well, I want to go see my friends, I want to hang out, I get a drink after work or whatever. I was like, fantastic. Get a fucking life away from me. You know what? Here's the thing is like, he had to tell me he was having an affair. Uh, I did not, it didn't cross my mind. And, mm-hmm. and of course, looking back, it's like, you dumbass. I mean, it was, it was all the classic signs, you know? Yeah, but that makes sense, you know, picking a fight mm-hmm. in order to deflect what was going on. Therefore, you want to make things better. So, of course, go out with your friends. If you all of a sudden you're like, eh, no, you can't do that and you can't do this, then it makes you look controlling. Okay, and it just feeds yeah. into his, like, ugh. It's it's you're the one that has the issue, not me. So I can totally see how that can get flipped. During this time, Anna had to have surgery on her hand and would have to wear a cast. And then one evening, they were invited to join her friend and a new boyfriend for a night out on the town. The drinks were flowing, and the new guy became more and more intoxicated and obnoxious as the night went on. And let's just say Ted was not impressed. He was one of those drunks that, like, was kind of obnoxious. And, you know, he he kept doing this thing, like, fist bump. You know, hey, fist bump, fist bump. (laughs) Over and over and over and over. And it was just like, and so Ted was just, like, kind of getting fed up with it. He was sitting right next to the guy. And Ted leaned over to me, and he said, switch me seats. And I I was going to switch him seats. But I, like, kind of jokingly was like, oh, hell no. And then as I said that, you know, I was getting ready to say, I'm kidding, we'll switch. But before I could say that, he grabbed my arm, um, where the, you know, my arm that had the cast on it, and he took the cast and he, uh, he, uh, he like twisted it. You know, do you know what a, like, mm-hmm. a, you know, like how you just like twist it? And yeah. so he twisted it really, really hard, like the whole cast. And um, the pain was indescribable pain, you know, from that. And he broke my stitches when he did that. And so, you know, like blood is like coming out of my cast, pouring out of my hand. It was incredibly shocking because that was the first time he had hurt me physically. Um, And everybody, of course, was, was just horrified. Um, Did they say anything? Did they say, that's fucked up. What the hell is wrong with you? No No one said a word. Oh, my gosh. No. So, obviously, the night was done. So, we gathered up our stuff and left and got in the car and drove home and didn't really say anything. It's kind of silent. And then we get back home and, like, he's um, just about his night. Like, literally nothing had happened. And I kept telling him, look what you did this. Look what you did. Why did you do this to me? That was the, why? I mean, I was going to switch seats with you. But even if I wasn't, this was extreme. This was an extreme thing that you just did to me. Um, And I had to go, like, get the cast taken off and uh, get it redressed and get the cast put back on. He never, ever, ever even acknowledged what he had done to me, much less apologized for what he did to me. Um, and from that point on, it just got worse and worse and worse. What did the doctors say? I mean, if they don't, they have a duty to report abuse if they suspect. Because if you're, I mean, what could you possibly have told them or 
to say, oopsie. I mean, it was a very <laughs> purposeful my, thing that happened. My, I just told him I fell. And when I fell that um, the cast caught on like the carpet and, and it like stopped. And so like my hand turned, but this cast stayed. That's what oh I Oh my gosh. Do you think they believed you? I don't know. Were you scared he was going to get worse as far as, you know, physical violence goes? Yeah, I felt like it. Like, so at this point in time, uh, we were we were fighting and arguing pretty bad. And it just was bizarre because that house that we were in, there was a the closet, like our bedroom closet was really big. And for some reason, he loved to fight in the closet and he loved to fight in the bathroom. And there was a couple of times where, you know, I was trying to get out of the closet and he would block my way to get out of the closet. And he would be like, hit, you remember in Dirty John, whenever he had her in the closet? Oh my God, that triggered me so bad because that's what he would do. He'd be like, hit me, hit me, go ahead and hit me, hit me. Um, And he would keep me like barricaded in the closet while he was screaming at me about stuff. Wow. It was, it was going downhill. It was Christmas time and Anna and Ted decorated the house, shopped, planned a party, had her family over and did all the things. Ted loved Christmas. It was his favorite thing. And that year she thought they had a great day. Her kids and parents came over. They ate. They watched the movie Christmas Vacation and open gifts. But Ted gave Anna very extravagant gifts that year. The problem was that they had agreed to do a $50 limit, which she stuck to. The whole month of December was was not good. Um, you know, there were several instances. This this one was like, my aunt has this big Christmas party every year, and we were, you know, getting in the car and going. And um, I had read something about Pete Davidson, you know, the guy from SNL, and I was reading about, like, how his father had been killed in 9-11 and like all of his mental health stuff that he had struggled with and that he had been suicidal. And I think he had made a suicide attempt or something and it was on the news. And so I, I made some comment about that and he lost his complete ever loving shit on me. Like, like in this extreme blow up um, about how I cared more about this guy from Saturday Night Live than I did him, that he was suicidal, but that I never even that I didn't care because I never asked him about it. Da, da, da. And it's like, you never told me that you were feeling this way. So, I mean, I don't really know how I could have responded. Did he ever act suicidal at any point? So sort no, of kind of no. out of the blue. No. And he also, he never like said to me that he was feeling that way. I mean, come on, dude, I'm a therapist. I used to work, you know, inpatient mental health. I, you know, I know what to do. I, I would get you help. If you needed help, say yeah. it. I would get you help, but I don't know unless I know. It so feels like happened. he was just like on this campaign to just find was, everything wrong with you. Literally everything. everything. All of it. Everything. So when I, he finally did it. make a break, he could say, she's this, this, and this, and you know. Oh, yeah. So then she, he could do the smear campaign to tell everyone how awful you are. Yep. He was gathering lots and lots of ammo, which of course I didn't know that at that time. You know, leading up to Christmas, it was weird. Um, we had just, you know, we were in this beautiful new home. It had huge cathedral ceilings. So we bought like this massive Christmas tree and decorating it. Kids came over decorating with some Christmas. Anyway. And I remember I said something like, um, next year I want to get an even bigger tree because I always do live trees 
and he was talking about the tree we were going to get and all this other stuff, just all this fucking future thinking bullshit. Mm -hmm. So Christmas Eve is when we open our presents. I was opening all my presents and like you were saying, $50 limit. So I bought him a $50 limit type gift. You know, I went to a lot of trouble to like find all these things that he really liked um, and to make it as good as I could for $50 limit. We had this huge trip to Iceland planned for the next year. And I was like, we, you know, we agreed to do this so that we could go to Iceland. You know, you weren't supposed to do this. This, you know, this is a plane ticket that you just shoved underneath the tree. But what was interesting too about that Christmas was there was a gift underneath the tree for him that I didn't buy and my mom didn't buy and my kids didn't buy. It was just a present for him, which he unwrapped in front of everybody in front of me, my family, everybody, my kids. And uh, it was a really nice pair of Nikes, which he was a, he's a sneakerhead. He loves tennis shoes and stuff. And I was just like, where'd those come from? And he said, oh, I bought them for myself because I knew you wouldn't. Um, no. Did she buy him? She bought him. <gasps> what the hell? Him. What the hell? Why would he put that under the tree? Because he's a sick fuck. Oh, so, God, that's so bad. I mean, yeah. if he got yeah. a gift from someone, I mean, maybe he, he could just, you know, put him in the closet and hopefully you won't notice. But Jesus, put it under the Christmas tree right in front of your wife's nose. Oh, my God. He did. Wow. He put it under the Christmas tree, like, right there. The audacity. Do you... Okay, this goes into my next question because I was wondering what his motivation was for kind of... Was it to make you look bad, to show off, to um, make no, up for he, what he did to you in your arm, or what I think it was, and what I believe it was, was that he knew he was leaving me, and so the things that he bought me were things that I really liked, and things that he had bought me consistently in the past. You know, like the perfume that was always like one of the things he bought me at Christmas. So he bought me two big bottles because that would last. And he bought me the yoga stuff because he knew he was going to be leaving and that financially I was going to be fucked up the butt, which I was. And um, so I think they were like guilty pre presents. Like, okay, well, yeah, I'm having an affair. Yeah, I'm going to leave you. But here, here's a parting gift of yoga and perfume and these shoes that you love. That's what I really think it was. Wow. I think it was him trying to just like, in a weird way, make it up to me or assuage his guilt or something like that. It was bizarre. On New Year's Eve, Anna and Ted invited another couple over to play games and usher in 2019. She was putting the food together and asked Ted to run to the store that was literally around the corner and pick up some dips. But two hours later, he came back and said he had to go to three different stores to find it. <laughs> Whatever. They ended up having a good night. They kissed at midnight, said good night to their friends, and went to bed. But anyway, I was putting together like a big charcuterie kind of a thing, making a bunch of food for us. And you know that boris and cheese that's like the goat cheese with like the chives and the garlic, and it's just mm, so good. Well, I wanted some of that. And so um, I asked him to go to the store and get some. And so where we lived, the grocery store was literally just like boom, boom, right around like five minutes from our house, if that. And like two hours later, what, where did he go? What was the ingredient that was so elusive <laughs> or evasive? I should say, or whatever. Goat cheese? 
Goat cheese. I mean, goat like, cheese. I'm sorry, but every grocery it. store has goat cheese. Every, every freaking, every store. So he did that. And then he came home and I was in the kitchen and I was like cooking and putting stuff together. And I remember him asking me, you know, is there anything I can do to help? And I was having fun. I was listening to black eyed peas and dancing around the kitchen and everything. And I told him, I was like, no, 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 I've got everything taken care of. Everything's good. Everything's done. You can just go sit down, enjoy yourself. And he got upset. And he's like, you're just pushing me out of the kitchen. You're pushing me away. You just don't let me help you. You don't let me do anything. You don't let me do, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so he like turned it into a fucking thing. He's like, he really fucking annoys me. I have to say <laughs> this one story. I'm so annoyed with him. He's so obnoxious. I, I just want to punch him. Like he was, oh, wearing man. Me down. he was wearing me down. He was wearing me out. I was just like, at that point I was really debating whether or not I still wanted to stay with him, but I just didn't know how to not be with him. Okay. Let's get through New Year's Eve. So oh boy, yeah. yeah did he, did he come back with empty handed? No go cheese. No go cheese. Oh Jesus. Okay. So did you have fun that night? We had a great time. We were playing cards against humanity. We were listening to music. Um, we'd all, all four of us went to high school together. So, you know, like swapping stories about people that we knew and, um, you know, my friend's wife or my friend fell asleep, you know, before, before midnight. And so, you know, everybody was like kind of laughing at her cause she was asleep, but no, it was like a really fun night. I thought we had a really fun night. Stroke of midnight. He gave me a New Year's Eve kiss, told me how much he loved me. Um, our friends left. We cleaned up. We went to bed. That morning, Anna woke up to find Ted on the couch with a really sad look on his face. And he said that he was upset because the night before, Anna had said that marrying him was the biggest mistake of her life and that she regretted it. Of course, the truth was that she never said anything even remotely close to that. But by the time Ted was done with her, she was so gaslit that she wasn't even sure of anything. He said he needed to think and that he was going to go to a friend's house to watch a football game. Now, were you inebriated where you wouldn't recall things that happened? (laughs) Okay, because tell us about what happened the day after New Year's Eve and and how Ted was. Um, It was real bad. Um, It was uh, one of the worst days of of my life. He was acting kind of mad and I couldn't figure out why he was mad. And so then he told me that um, I had said that marrying him was the biggest mistake of my life and that I regretted it. That I had said that the night before with all of our friend with our friends there and that I had humiliated him with our friends there. He kept saying, I didn't I know I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Because I don't feel that way. That's that's not true. And I was not drunk. I am not a drinker. I don't drink hardly at all. Um, and I certainly don't drink until I'm so drunk I don't remember. I even like texted my friend and I said, did I say this? And I'm just like having a brain fart. And she said, no, you didn't say that. And I said, would you please ask Ralph if he remembers me saying this? And she said, now he says no, that he doesn't remember that at all. And so, you know, I, I told Ted, I, was, I said, I, you know, Ralph, and Mrs. Ralph, they don't, they're, they're telling me that this didn't Mrs. Happen. Ralph, sorry. I couldn't think of a name for her. Waking up, Mrs. Ralph. 
Talk to me out. Okay. <laughs> you know, but basically, like, he had me questioning my reality at that point because he had me seriously questioning whether or not I actually said that or not. You know, I say that, do I not say that? I mean, is it possible that I said that? And I just was joking or something, but that's not really something you say in jest. You know, marrying you was the biggest mistake of my life. And I'm just like, I know I didn't say that. I know I didn't say that. I know no. I didn't. <laughs> Did you know what gaslighting was at this time? And if so, were, no. did you recognize, oh shit, this is what he's doing? Um, no, I didn't know what gaslighting was. I just knew that he was trying, like, I, I felt like I was crazy. Like I was questioning my reality, questioning what I knew was true, what I knew was real. And by the time he was done, I was apologizing. He definitely um, used that as the foundation of a whole lot of the other stuff that came after that. How many hours and days and weeks did you ponder like, shit, did I say that? I couldn't have said that. <laughs> it's really awful. Days, a lot of hours, a lot of time that I was just like, did I? I couldn't did have. I? Yeah. I, no, yeah. but I mean, I know I did not. That is the I epitome know. of gaslighting, y'all. Like, it does make you feel like you're going crazy and yeah, that you, what you, you think is not true. And it's awful. It's truly yeah, awful. Yeah. Especially in your gut and your heart. You're like, I, I know I didn't say that or do that or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Did you it even was, show them like, I even talked to so-and-so and they said you didn't say that or I didn't say that. He said, well, I talked to them too. And they said, oh. remember you saying that. Oh my gosh. So and then it puts course. them in a bad place. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh my they gosh. Actually, they didn't want to hang out with us anymore. After that, I don't blame them. The football game was over at four, and Ted said he would be home right afterwards. So Anna made dinner, and she waited and waited and waited. And around eight o'clock, she texted him and asked him when he would be home. Ted said he was still at the friend's house, and he would be home soon. But something was off, and she felt it. He actually did go watch football because, um, you know, that friend confirmed it. But then the friend was like, but he left at like, Four, the game was over at like four and he left at four. And so now I'm, this is eight o'clock roughly at night. And I, I'm like, mm, he says that he's with you. I'm texting him right now. And he says he's with you at your house. And the friend didn't respond. And then about like three minutes later, I get a text from Ted. Hey, um, Bob and I, you know, we decided to go run to blah, blah, blah place to get a beer. Um, Sorry, I didn't answer my phone. I didn't I didn't hear it because it's so loud in here. And I said, oh, well, I like the fried pickles from so-and-so. So bring me some home, will you? Please? Oh, you had, a, you had a hunch. I was like, okay, something's, something's up. So I got in my little car, and I drove over to Bob's house and, you know, cruised by. And Bob was home. I saw his car, but um, Ted's truck wasn't there, obviously. I was in there because I just was, you know, I was like, well, are you just like wanting to hang out with Ralph and you're just, or Bob or whatever the fuck his name is. And, you know, you're just not telling me or what's going on. But I just, I had to drive by because what if I had asked him where, well, I went to blah, blah, and you weren't there. Well, I was back at Bob's house. Mm-hmm. So, where's my Bob's? No. Bob's not there. Not there. Okay. Yeah. Bob was there, but not Ted. Not Ted. Then you call Bob. Ted and he picks up and says, I'm at a bar. Yep. With Bob. <laughs> As I'm oh, but you house. know that's not the truth. Right. 
Right. Okay. Yeah. And so, Did you tell him, like, you're no. lying to me? Okay. No. No, no. He didn't even know that I was, like, out on the hunt for him. Yeah. So I went to where he told me that they were. I drove through the parking lot, and obviously his, his truck was not there. And so I did call him at that point, and I was like, hey, are you still at X place? Um, because I'm here. I'm looking for you. I thought I'd have a drink with you, um, but you're I don't see your car. Oh, I didn't know you were coming. We left. We went to this place. And he said, but we're leaving here in a minute. And I said, no, 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 stay there. Wait, I'm I'll coming be over in just a second, you little fucker. Right there. <laughs> and so I went there and, you know, he wasn't there. And so then I'm getting pissed. Yeah. And, I, and I was like, you are not there. You are not there. You are not there. Where the fuck are you? And where have you been? What have you been doing? And, um, he, then he said, well, I just got home. Where are you? And I said, I'm out trying to find your lying ass. So by the time I got home and I walked in the door, that was about, I don't know, 8.30, 8.45, something along those lines. Um, when I walked in the door, he was sitting there with a packed bag and um, uh, his overnight bag and backpack full of his stuff and the dog tucked under his arm. And he said, I can't be with someone who doesn't trust me. I'm like, I can laugh about it now. (laughs) Yeah. I can't be with somebody who doesn't trust me. You're cheating me. Way to turn that around. Yeah. And he's like, I just feel like, um, you know, I don't want to be married to you anymore. And um, he, I remember he walked to the front door and he turned around and he looked at me. And of course, I'm just like, I'm just, well, that escalated quickly. You know, of course, I'm just shocked. And uh, I remember he turned around, he looked at me and he said, you know, I do love you. I really love you. I do. With his hand on the doorknob, you know. And I remember I looked up at him and I just said, then please stay. If you love me, stay. Let's figure this out. Let's, we can figure this out. We've been through so much together already. We, whatever's happening, whatever's going on, we can figure it out. And he said, love isn't enough and walked out the door. Yeah. He went to go stay at Bob's house. Later, I found out that Bob knew everything about this other person. He knew about the affair. He um, he allowed them to use his house um, to meet, things like that. <sighs> and I, I thought this person was my friend. Um, and he wasn't. Did you feel like, oh, he'll be back tomorrow? Or did you feel that like, oh, he's serious? Like, I think no, I felt fun. like he was, I felt like he was pretty serious. He was really famous and he is very famous for his texts, like these long, huge texts. And he will just unleash vitriol and hate and horrible things in texts. And, you know, now he got there to what's his butt Bob's house and um, got settled in and around 10 30 or 11 o'clock. I got one of those big long texts just was like, I don't want to be your husband anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to be with you. I don't want to see you anymore. I don't want to be around you. We're done. Um, I want a divorce. Um, we're, we're completely finished. And that's the end of that. Anna ushered in 2019, watching the man she loved walk out her door with a backpack and their dog. It was the worst feeling, and she was broken, literally broken. She didn't understand what was happening, 
I mean, things had been hard, but not that hard. But one thing that Ted was not happy with was Anna's physical changes in her body due to menopause. I had had to have hysterectomy when I was 40 just because of some like medical stuff. So like menopause, I wasn't really even, I didn't, I had no idea what was happening or if that's what the deal was or whatever. But you know, like my metabolism slowed down. I gained some weight. I mean, like when we first got married, first got together, I was like a size four and you know, I blew up to a size six, you know, come the fuck on Jesus. Um, but you know, he made comments about the weight gain that I wasn't as happy that I wasn't, um, you know, the super cheerful person that I didn't have the, energy that I once had, you know, that, um, like he just like had all kinds of complaints about the physical changes in me, but he kept asking me, he was like, well, how long does this last? How long are you going to be in menopause? How long does this take? And I was like, I don't know. I said, it's different for everybody. I said, it could take six weeks. It could take six months or it could take six years. And he threw that back at me over and over and over again. And he just said, well, I'm not going to live like this for six years. Look like what? I mean, I really wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't super moody. I hadn't gained a whole, whole lot of weight. My sex drive was still very, very high and very strong. Um, I really had minimal sim- symptoms. It just sounds um, like he literally was just finding anything and everything. And that was just part of his little toolkit of ammunition. But also, fuck him, because can we just mention how he gained 75 pounds while he was with you. So the double standard pisses me off. Not to mention, when you marry someone, I mean, it's for the long haul, people. Like, you're not going to stay the same. You're not going to look the same. You're not going to... You're aging together. Like, that's the whole... You're marrying each other's soul. It's not just the little... You know, that's so unreasonable of men, and it pisses me off when I hear that kind of shit, because we're supposed to maintain our little tiny itty-bitty bodies and wrinkle-free and whatnot and they can be fat and fucking bald and whatever else and ugh and that's acceptable oh my god I'm on fire oh it made me really angry too because you know you just have these subtle ways of just really making you feel like shit about yourself and like that's why I was like dude you look like you're carrying twins right now okay like you could lay on your stomach and I could play teeter-totter with you so shut up yeah, I I mean, I'm kind of, yeah, I mean, this is not a fun time. I'm kind of going, I'm 40, almost 46 in March and like my body's changing. I've gained some weight. I'm, I have new wrinkles every other day and I don't feel very secure about myself. It's not a fun time. I don't know. It's not. I don't feel about it, but it's like you want your partner to be like, I still think you're beautiful. Like, thank you. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I, I don't you want some that. asshole to be like, oh, yeah, pointing shit out where you don't think I don't notice that myself already. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I can just remember, like, remember the closet. I talked about the closet. I remember one time we were in the closet and you were screaming and yelling at me and we were fighting and I was getting ready to go to yoga. And so I was like putting on my yoga pants, which, you know, they're skin tight. And um, I remember I was pulling him up and he looked at me and like the look on his face was just complete disgust. Like, he looked at me like I was the most disgusting human that he had ever laid his eyes on. Um, And later I found out that whenever he would have uh, the downgrade in our home, um, she would try my clothes on. Oh, gross. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. 
and she was like little tiny and they would make fun of how my clothes, you know, were too big for her. I'm sorry. Yuck. I hate body shaming and I hate, I hate being like people focusing on weight on, on that just, that is just one of the things that just really bothers me and upsets me. He knew that I had struggled with my body image. He knew I'd struggled with eating disorders. He knew that, you know, that was like a big, a big trigger for me. Um, and that I was really struggling with having gained, even the small amount of weight that I gained, I was really struggling with it. Um, and he knew it. Yeah. And that's when, you know, that person doesn't give a shit about anybody. They don't give a shit about you. They don't give a shit. It's, there's no empathy. There's no compassion. There's no feelings or void of anything in there. Anna's friend, Stephanie. As things progressed and like when he left her, I was brutally honest, but I also tried really hard to be compassionate because I think everybody's been in a relationship that somebody, if not everybody in their life has hated. And so like, that is so isolating. You feel like you don't have anybody to talk to. And so I would just tell her like, Anna, I don't trust his motives. I don't know what's going on here, but if this is what you're going to do, I'm going to be here with you. Like I'm going to stand by your side. And so that went on like, I mean, after he left her, I think it was a year and a half or so of back and forth. And it was just very exhausting at times, but I, I knew she had to work it out. She had to like get it out of her system, so to speak, that it wasn't going to just end because anybody thought it should. It had to be something that she was ready to do. Yeah. You're, you sound like you have done this before. You know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about. I agree. It's that whole human nature where, you know, you Mm -hmm. don't do this, don't do that. He's bad for you. And then the other person just runs towards them with open arms and defends them. And then you're just like left in the cold. So yeah, you have to be cautious, but Anna is a very smart woman. She's an adult and you are her good friend. Therefore you handled it. I think the best you could and the right way. You're right. It was like a dose of honesty with a dose of compassion. And did she respond okay? Or did she get super defensive when you were being brutally honest with her? Anna responded, she's responded well. I can't remember her really being super defensive. I know I'm a very direct person. So I know there were times that she did not like what I had to say. So probably her defensiveness would be more like, I'm going to let you go. (laughs) So like she wouldn't necessarily say like, that was so rude, but I mean, I knew, and I'm just, wasn't going to let her be mad at me. I was just going to continue like being there because I was like, no, (laughs) you're not going to push me away because of this, because this person's just trying to isolate you because it just kept him in control of everything. So true. And it's like the, it's like the curse of the, like, caregiver compassionate like person to meet somebody like that i don't think it's weak women that end up in these positions i think it's strong women and they like that they want somebody strong and through it all they try to tear them down over the next two weeks they talked a lot and by mid-january ted told anna that he wanted to come home so of course she was overjoyed and welcomed him back The plan was that he would come back on a Saturday night after playing poker at a friend's house. The next morning, Anna was scrolling Facebook while Ted was sleeping, and lo and behold, she saw a post by the wife of the man who Ted said he was playing poker with the night before. And the photo was a picture of her and her husband all dressed up for a night at the theater. 
the night he was supposed to be hosting the poker party. Did you tell anyone that he moved out or did you keep this one a secret? But because I'm assuming your daughter might have been out of the house at this point. She was. She had she okay. was living with her boyfriend at this point. I told my friends because I needed oh, my um what changed? Because you had been pretty quiet about protecting him with your parents and your, your children and um I think only just a, a couple friends kind of knew stuff, but for the most part you kind of painted him as good old teddy boy. So what changed now when you were ready to I was, was broken. I couldn't do this on my own. I couldn't do this by myself. I, um, I wasn't functional. I couldn't just, you know, I just wasn't functional and you know, this is not something I could hide. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't keep this secret. I couldn't keep it quiet. Um, because it was, it impacted my whole life. I mean, people are like, Hey, you guys want to come over? There's no yeah. more. It's just me. Yeah. Now he didn't stay gone for very long. So it sounded like he immediately, even though he sent you a text message, how long was it before he was like, I want to come back home and. Um, it was about two weeks, I think, but it was really more, um, me just begging him to come home I just was like we can't do anything we can't fix anything if you don't come home we can't talk about it we can't make anything better I can't I can't change if you're not home you know if you're not here then there's nothing we can do because he had you know that initial text he had he had said you know I want a divorce um blah 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 but he had backed down from that quite a bit you know he wasn't saying he wanted a divorce anymore and he was talking to me we were communicating a lot I was just really scared and just spinning out and um just in shock and you know I just I just wanted my husband back I just wanted my husband back home that's that's all I cared about at that moment like all the other stuff that had happened all the lying the gaslighting all that stuff it just went away like I wasn't even thinking about it I just wanted I just wanted Ted to come home I wanted my husband back I wanted I wanted to make this work I wanted to figure it out um but I didn't have all the information then and you were still functioning under that, um, like he's a drug, yeah. right? Like it's just, I need, I can't, I need it. I need my drug back. I need, I need yeah. this to get back to your normal. He does come back. Um, and then he says, I'm going to go play poker. And then you get on the the social media. So walk us through that because you had to have been getting super suspicious <laughs> at this point. Um, that, that's when it really kind of like came to light that something's really not right. Some, he's real, like he, okay, let's just be honest. Dude lied a lot. Uh, I knew he lied a lot. Um, but this was a big one. This was in like on top of like New Year's day. It just was just like, what the fuck is happening? And I still didn't put it together. He said, well, I'm going to go do, I'm going to a poker game at my friend's house that he worked with. You know, they have to have so many people to have a hand. And I was like, no, it's fine. It's cool. And I said, I remember I told him, I said, why don't you just like, um, don't even worry about coming home Saturday night. Just come home Sunday. No, no, no. I want to come home. I want to be at home. I'll be home by 11. And um, sure enough, he walked in the door at 11 with, you know, his stuff and the dog and um got in bed and you know we we went to sleep and um that next morning I was you know I woke up before he did and and I was just looking at Facebook scrolling through as we do 
and I saw the guy who, um, who he was playing poker with. I saw his wife made a post. And it was a post of her and him, the husband, um, at uh, a play the night before, dressed in evening clothes. Uh, he was in a tux, and she was in a very formal dress. And so I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. What? I don't understand this. Rather than admit he was busted, Ted instead doubled down and became aggressive and rageful. He held Anna down and spit on her while he screamed that she ruined everything and that she was stupid and obsessed with stalking him. He woke up and he went to the bathroom and was, you know, doing his thing. And I asked him, I remember I asked him, I said, hey, was um, um, Steve home last night? I mean, I, were you at Steve's or did you guys go somewhere else to play poker? He's like, no, we're at Steve's house. And um, I said, well, was Steve there? And he said, yeah, Steve was there. And I said, well, was, was Jane there, his wife? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know how she is. You know, she made us all food and snacks. And she was, you know, just like serving us and stuff like that. And I said, well, that's interesting because I can see right here that they were actually at a play last night. And it was on. I mean, on. Bad. And he's like screaming and yelling at me and like you don't trust me and um he's screaming at me you've ruined everything i thought we were going to be able to fix this and you've ruined everything you're a psycho you're a stalker you're just looking for ways to um catch me in lies um i was there last night i was there last night i, I can show you the text thread of all the guys from the poker night and of course man, i'm just like no 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 i don't even see it it just it just went on and on. Um, he punched a hole in the bathroom door. He um, pinned me on the ground and he spat at me on me, um, just screaming at me like had his head in his hands. He was like pulling his hair, um, just screaming and wailing and just like you are the worst person. You don't trust me. You're a psycho. You've uh, you know, you, you can't leave anything alone, but he just kept on saying, you're obsessed with the internet. You're obsessed with Facebook. You're obsessed with all this. And of course, I'm just like, dude, I was just fucking scrolling Facebook. Like 90 million other people did this morning. I, at one point in time, he had me on the floor in the bathroom. I just scrolled up and he was just like over me, just screaming, screaming, screaming at me and just calling me names and uh, just saying again and again, you ruined this. You ruined this. You ruined this. You know, we were, we had hope things were going to be okay, but now you've ruined it. You just destroyed it all. This is all your fault. I'm leaving again, and this is your fault, and I'm never coming back. At one point, he had me so um, just broken, and, and I was just like, again, on the, curled up in a ball on the floor in the kitchen, I remember. And just, I was just begging him to stop, just stop, just stop, just stop. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, you know, I was throwing up. I was so upset and so uh, just scared of what was happening I was scared of him and I was just begging him to forgive me you know please just forgive me um don't leave oh I'm so sorry it's so heartbreaking like hearing this and and you saying forgive me when you know that there's nothing to be forgiven for what 
is there like a terminology? Is it trauma bonded? Is it like, why? How does our brains process? Like, why do we all of a sudden say, please take me back? Oh, I'm so sorry. And like, how do they, is it just force? Is it brute, brute force? He's scary and you don't, you just back down and you don't want to be in this confrontation anymore. It's just like your truth. Like, okay, fine. I believe you. Just please yeah. stop. I just wanted it to end. I, yeah. you know, I just wanted, I wanted what was happening to end. And, um, at the end of all of it, at the end of the night, you know, when he finally quit, I remember he looked at me and he said, look, honey, let's just draw a line in the sand. Um, let's just move forward from this. I forgive you. Oh God, that's so fucked up. He literally flipped it on you. He did. And deflected away from what was really going on. But didn't it bother you? Like even even after the storm kind of passes and the next day or two or even weeks, did you go back to look at that picture? Like, no, that's what I saw. Or like, did you feel like, mm, maybe I should reach out because I'm I'm not wrong about this. Like, did you have any inclination to kind of I, I, find I the truth, later. I guess? Yeah. I did later. I didn't that yeah, night. Yeah, but not at I, that. I, honestly, I didn't want to know the truth. I knew the yeah, truth. I, I know. I knew he wasn't there. I knew that that was true. Mm-hmm. But what was I going to do with the truth? Confront him and then end up, you know, throwing up again with him yeah. spitting on me and, and calling me names and telling me I'm the worst person on the planet and threatening to leave me. So, of course, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, you know, what good would it be if I found out the actual truth? What good would it be if I reached out to her and said, were you guys at this place tomorrow night, last night? And I also was terrified if I did that, that she would tell her husband and then he would tell Ted at work on Monday. And then it would be even worse because I was checking up on him and I was embarrassing yeah. him at work. And I was, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Was- and also, it's like when you find out then you're you know what you need to do and you, you're not ready to do that and that's leaving him yeah I wasn't. you know you know, when you're not mentally ready and you haven't wrapped your head made any kind of you know peace with that this is not going to work so when you're still feeling like you want to make it worth you you don't want to know the truth you you're not ready for that at all um no Ugh. I mean, at that point in time, I was still really concerned about what other people would think and about the things that my family would say about what a loser I am. And I just didn't want to hurt my family again. I didn't want to hurt my kids. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be another fuck up. I didn't want to do this again. I wanted, um, I wanted my marriage to be what it was, you know, what it had been at the beginning. Here is Stephanie answering a few tough questions from me regarding her good friend Anna's relationship with Ted. Were you aware of the time when Ted started to become physical with her and more um, just verbally, physically abusive? And if so, were you ever concerned for Anna or her daughter's safety at any point? So I was concerned for Anna. She never acknowledged to me that he was physically abusive to her during that time, but I knew that the verbal stuff had increased and it was very cyclical. And that was the thing I kept like saying, like, you know, like this cycle keeps coming back. Like what's going on here? Like, and 
at that point, I, she still held out hope, you know, like, well, if he gets medicated, maybe he'll do better. But then he was refusing to go get medicated. So it was kind of like, well, then what can you do if he's not going to take medication to balance his moods? When all that went down, oh, my heart broke for her so much. Um, I just felt really sad for her because I just couldn't imagine what that felt like to be pouring your heart and soul into somebody that you loved so much and really hoped the best for, even though he wasn't really bringing a whole lot to the table. But I just, I would call her like every morning. I would text her every day, like call her every day. I would text her every morning, like good morning, because I just thought like, she's like missing out on all those little things that people just like to know that somebody is thinking about you. You are a beautiful friend. She's very lucky. I'm so glad that you were in her life. But you're right, like it's heartbreaking to see somebody who's such an amazing person who loves their significant other that much and she gave everything to him. I mean, he was yeah. one lucky man, very lucky. One of the things you said kind of leads into a, another question. Amber came up with this one and it's a great question. So she wanted to know if you ever went undercover on your own to get to the <laughs> bottom of what Ted was really up to. Cause you had stated that you were seeing things like being on the outside, looking in, I think it was a little bit clear to you. Did you yeah. ever kind of look him up online or just look into him? So at all? I'm like, unfortunately Ted didn't really have a social media presence. So at one point he had an Instagram, but that at that point had been shut down. That was another reason why it seemed suspect to me. Cause I'm like, what? Like, why are you closing out all your social media? So um, I didn't really have a way of checking in. He had a best friend, quote unquote, at that time. I can't remember the dude's name. He was, and he lied to Anna a lot. He kept saying that Ted was over there with him when he wasn't. And I was like, dude, this guy is not being honest. But I still couldn't dig up anything even by creeping his stuff. So like, no, I creeped everything as much as I could. I mean, there was one night Anna called me. And she, of course, at this point, she's like, okay, he's definitely got another woman, but he doesn't, she doesn't know who, and she doesn't even know where he's at. He's supposed to be at this friend's house. She's like, cause he always kept his ex like present in her mind. Like, even though there was nothing at all going on there, he just kept it present in her mind so that she would always be suspicious of like, okay, well maybe he's going to go back to her. And then he would make her feel insecure about this woman. Cause she's like 15 or so years younger. I mean, she's like a lot younger. So um, but anyway, so she's like, well, I think he's wherever the sex is. And I was like, and she's like, I'm going to go down there. And I'm like, girl, no, you're not. And she's like, yes, I am. I was like, well, come and get me. So we were literally going to get in the car and drive down there. And I honestly don't know what talked us from the ledge, but we didn't yeah, go. Yeah. And it's, it's good <laughs> because he wasn't with that person. It was just. Oh my yeah. gosh. I love you guys. The following week, Anna had to go to Arizona for a conference, and Ted took her to the airport and kissed her goodbye. At the airport, she was talking to her friend, and she said, aren't you worried that Ted's going to move out when you're gone? Honestly, it hadn't crossed Anna's mind, so she assured her friend that no way, that would never happen because they were both committed to making things work. Anna and Ted texted like normal, talked daily, and everything seemed fine. She was leaving on Saturday, and Friday got a feeling that things were not right. He wasn't texting her, so she called him repeatedly, and he wasn't answering. Eventually, the calls went straight to voicemail. 
Finally, she sent a text asking him if he was going to pick her up from the airport, and he responded with one word, yes. I was supposed to leave, and I did leave, for a uh, conference in Arizona that I was so excited about. I mean, these were like the therapy gods that were going to be there. I mean, huge names, huge names. Uh, one of the huge names was Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote The Body Keeps the Score. And... I got to be with Bessel. I got to train with Bessel, with the man who wrote The Body Keeps the Score. I mean, this was a big deal. I was super excited. He drove me to the airport. I think it was on a Wednesday. So this all this happened on Sunday with the, the deal with the poker night. And this is Wednesday that he's taking me to the airport. I remember driving. And we were talking about facts of life or something like that. And he's like, you're totally Blair. You're, you're a Blair. And he's like, you look like Blair. You're fat like Blair. And I'm just like, oh, okay, thanks, I guess. But it's really interesting because one of the things he also said to me as we were driving, just out of nowhere, he said, I think I'm a sex addict. I think I have a problem with sex addiction. I think I have a problem with relationships. And I was like, well, yeah, we're driving to the airport, so thanks for dropping that on me now. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know, we'll talk about it when I get home. Because one of the people I was going to be training with is Patrick Carnes, and he is like the, uh, you know, the preeminent uh, researcher and author on sex addiction. I remember it was Friday, and um, I was texting him pictures. Like I'd taken, like Bessel Vanderpuff and I had, we took a picture together. You know, it was a big fucking deal. And I sent him a picture of me and me with Bessel, you know, I mean, this is huge. And, um, he said to me, he's like, hey, you know what? You don't have to keep texting me today. I mean, I know you're really busy and I got a lot going on. So I'll just, you know, we'll catch up later tonight. Okay. Then text him the rest of the day. And then that night, you know, um, my friend actually had flown from uh, here to there. And we were sharing a room. And I remember telling her, I was like, something's wrong. He's answering the phone. It's going straight to voicemail. I don't know what's happening. Something's very wrong. Saturday night, I flew home, um, and he picked me up from the, well, he was supposed to pick me up from the airport, and, and uh, that was a really weird night, because, you know, I'm waiting at the airport, and he's, he calls, and he's like, I'm, I'm almost to the airport, and then he's not there, not there, not there, not there, not there, and so then he calls me, and he's like, I just had, he had a blowout coming off of the highway to get to the airport. And he's like, so I'm just sitting on the side of the road with a blown out tire. He was just weird that whole time. He kept saying, I could have died, 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 I could have died. Over and over again, I could have died. We get home, it's just weird, energy and everything like that. Uh, woke up Sunday morning. We eat lunch at my mom's house every single Sunday. We always, like always. And so, but he, he told me, he's like, hey, I don't think I'm going to go to lunch at your mom's today. I'm just not feeling really great. I'm going to go over to Bob's house and watch a football game. Two hours later, Anna received a text, a long, long text telling her that Ted didn't love her and that he had rented an apartment in a neighboring city. He said he didn't want to see her or speak to her ever again. And he went on to say that Anna was a disappointment to him in every possible aspect of a marriage, and he was disgusted by her. And I was going to the grocery store because I've been gone. I didn't have any groceries. And I texted him, and I said, hey, you know, do you need anything from the store? I can pick up blah, blah, blah. And he said, no, I don't need anything. I'm, I'm good. I don't, I don't need anything. Okay. So I got home, and, you know, um, 
one there, one there. And I was talking on the phone to my daughter and um, text pops in and um, it was him. And he said, I'm not coming home. I don't, I want a divorce. I'm dead set on a divorce. I don't want this marriage. I don't want to be with you. I rented an apartment um, in the city and I've moved into this apartment and you know, this is it, I'm done. Like, and he was saying, you know, I'll, I'll keep paying the payment on the house and you know, we'll figure out what we're going to do about the house, you know, when the time comes. But he was, it was a very different tone in this text, you know, I could tell something was different. And, um, I was, I was like, what? And um, I started looking around the house a little bit closer, went into the closet and realized that, you know, about probably half his clothes were gone and uh, probably more than half. And what he had done is he had just like taken some of my clothes to fill in the closet. You know what I mean? Like, like to make it look fuller. He had like gotten coats out of the closet and hung them in the closet where it just looked full. I wish I wouldn't have noticed. Uh, went out in the garage and like all of his stuff in the garage was gone. He was weird about tools. He had all these weird tools and all of his tools were gone. He planned. Planned. Yeah. He planned. Oh he planned. my goodness. He planned the whole entire thing. And what was your reaction? I was devastated. And when he sent me that text, all I responded was, okay. So, okay. I mean, what do you say? This time he, he had taken steps to get a place to live. He had taken his stuff, taken stuff that was important to him, you know. First time that he left was impulsive. This time was planned, planned out. Next week on The X-Files. Are you in love with her? Do you love her? And he said, no, no, not right now, but I think I could love her. It's like a roller coaster, but it's a roller coaster where you're not strapped in and this fucker's going around and around and upside down and you don't know minute to minute, like what's gonna happen next? I love you so much, I miss you so much. This was such a mistake. Do you think we can make this work? Is, uh, can, we, can this be repaired? And of course me, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. This all can be repaired. I felt so powerless in this situation because I knew that I didn't know the truth. I knew that I didn't know. I, I knew there was a lot that I did not know. I couldn't believe that this was real, you know, that this was happening. So I said to her, I was like, um, hey, so can you explain to me why I just found a lease with your name and my husband's name on it? I was broken. Um, he had done it. He, he achieved his goal of utterly and completely destroying me at that time. Um, you know, he won. He got it. I was so broken. At that point, I couldn't fight. I didn't have any more fight in me. She won. He won. They got what they wanted. Um, they could have my home. They could have everything. I just had to get away. Hey, X-Fans. If you haven't quite got your full fix of X-Wives Undercover or the X-Files, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our Facebook group. Make sure to also follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave us a five-star review.